This is Jesse Quill, and welcome to the Stream Coach Podcast, the show that helps you step up your game as a professional live streamer. And now here's your host. She once brewed her own kombucha, but threw it away because it looked gross. Ashley Christ! What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Stream Coach Podcast. I really want to give a shout out right now to Jessie Quill for that incredible intro. You can check her out over at jessiequill.com. She's also on Twitter and Twitch and pretty much everything else, I think, as Jessie Quill. She's really talented, as you can tell, and super amazing. And if you guys want to send some voiceovers or if you want to do any kind of like voice acting to actually introduce the podcast as well, I would love to have you. I'm always looking for more people to introduce and to kind of talk about on this show. So send me an email, which is ashneychrist at gmail.com. So here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. I've been talking about this podcast on YouTube lately. Why? With 2018, a big plan for me was to take this podcast a lot more seriously. And my goal with it is a lot different than whenever this idea first became a thing. So I started this podcast early 2017, for those that don't know, and just the graphics were bad, my interview skills were pretty bad, and I was just not very good at this, like, at all. But it has changed now and the original goal was just to interview interview successful streamers and to talk to them about their successes and what got them to that point but now my main goal is to really serve people that are looking to grow their channels so while yes i still want to be interviewing those people i also want to help you guys specifically with your own channels by bringing in guests that have expertise on certain topics that i'm not an expert at So I'm looking also for guests to come on that have some kind of valuable information to share with the Twitch community. And as long as you have expertise in something, like you really have to know a lot about it, I would love to talk to you regardless of your stream size or whether you actually stream or not. My main goal with, well, I guess I shouldn't say my main goal with this podcast, but a goal with this podcast that I have is that I want to eventually live stream recording this because I would love to hang out with you guys live a little bit more. And I'm also going to be posting this podcast on YouTube. This is the first episode that's going to be on YouTube. I'm actually recording this on OBS right now. I just had to double check because I thought for a second like it didn't record. But yes, we are good. Uh, The reason that I'm putting this on YouTube is because I know that YouTube really values watch time a lot. Like that's a huge part of being able to grow your channel. All of my videos are under 12 minutes. So if I have long form videos that are, you know, an hour, an hour and a half long, that's naturally going to increase watch time, even if people only watch like 20 minutes of it. But I also know that, yes, the podcast version of this is awesome, and you can always get this information on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor. And if you're like on your way to work or you're at the gym or something, it's a great place to be. But some people would rather watch this on YouTube, and I've had people actually message me saying, when are you going to put these on YouTube? So... We're going to try putting these on YouTube. We'll see how it does. If it starts to negatively affect the channel, I might have to not have them on there anymore, but we'll see what actually happens. It's also just, like I said, it's just more opportunities for people to be able to hear the show in a way that they want to hear it. 
So the podcast is now on YouTube. So now I'm publishing Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is going to be the podcast episode and Sunday. So four times a week. Yay. I'm really excited. And there is another big development this week too, by the way. I haven't officially announced this anywhere yet. I really want to kind of slowly ramp up to this large like kind of launching announcement but i want to let you guys know about this because you guys are the people that are really serious about stepping up your game and taking your stream to the next level and if you're listening to a podcast about learning to improve your twitch stream like that is serious and i want to give you the opportunity to go a little bit deeper on that so i started a patreon to kind of develop more of a community space of people that are extremely serious about streaming. And before I talk to you guys a little bit more, not a little bit more, but I talk to you guys about my Discord. And the Discord is still an incredible place. I'm in there all the time. I'm answering questions and just like getting to know people as a friend as well. And I'll still be there and I always will because I love, love, love our Discord community. But if you are a streamer and you're taking your stream seriously, Patreon is really going to be the place to be because I'm going to be offering coaching sessions. Okay, so you can actually work with me one on one. And this is something I've been doing kind of behind the scenes. People have been sliding into my DMs and I've been helping them out. And it's been just really great to see people make these huge changes in their channel that have impacted their numbers really positively and helped them feel happier with what they're creating. But I want to start offering this publicly because I know not everyone has that kind of initiative to take it upon themselves to just jump into my DMs and be like, hey, Ashney, help me out. <laughs> so I want to kind of extend my, my arms out and say, like, it's okay to do this if it's something that you're interested in. So yes, coaching sessions are going to be something that we're going to be doing. We're also going to be having a monthly live guest on who will be a successful streamer and we can do a live like topic where they'll teach you a little bit more about something that they are specifically good at. And we're also going to do like Q&A time with them. So if you have any questions or if you've wanted to like get to know a streamer or you feel really connected to somebody who's pretty successful, that's a really great place to be because you can learn from that person that you kind of idolize. We're also going to have like monthly posts about just other relevant, useful information for you guys. There's going to be a patron only podcast. There's a lot of different things coming out. So just take a look at it. Uh, I do really want to stress with this, though, that like I'm not doing this for the money, you guys, at all, at all. Like I love what I do and I love making these YouTube videos and this podcast. And even if I never see a dollar from it, even if the podcast and the, all this information only helps out one person it's still something that i'm extremely passionate about but i have to acknowledge that while money is not my goal it is a fantastic tool for people to serve others better and serving streamers better is my goal that's why i do all of this that's why i create these videos that's why i have this podcast and so it's not my goal but you know, I want to be able to serve you better, and that's what the Patreon is for. Also, though, if you don't have the money, like, please do not feel guilty for not being able to pledge and not being able to join that community, because your needs absolutely come first. You are your provider. So please, like, take care of yourself and take care of your stuff first. You should be your number one person that you care about, you know, before contributing to some creator like myself included but 
if you guys do feel like my stuff has helped you and you do feel like you want to take this more seriously and this is something that you're super interested in, maybe you do want to do some coaching sessions or talk to these other streamers, that is a really great place to be. If you trust me on the level where you feel like I can genuinely help you out, like that's where you want to be is that Patreon. So you can find that over at patreon.com patreon.com slash ashneychrist i almost said patreon.com wait patreon.christ.com some i don't know i don't know what just happened there all right so let's actually talk about what this podcast episode is going to be about because something serendipitous happened to me today this podcast episode is going to be about photography and i'll tell you guys who the guest is in just a second but Earlier today, I got a knock on the door, it was like 2 p.m., answered the door, and my Christmas present finally showed up. That is a Canon EOS M5, and I have been waiting for this for like three months, and I'm so excited to finally have it. Like, it's just, it's so sexy. It is so sexy, and I'm really, I'm really happy to play around with it and to use it as like a webcam for my stream and all sorts of stuff like that. But I knew that this was coming, so I really wanted to kind of pick the brain of somebody who was really good at photography and had experience with using their camera to convey stories. And the person that I interviewed actually talked about this a lot, and that person is Dids Live. You can find him on Twitter and Twitch and everywhere else at Dids Live. He is an incredible incredible photographer. You can see all of his stuff like over on Instagram too. He's really, really great. And he talks a lot about how to convey a story through your photos, as well as just talks about um, different theories of photography and just how to step up your game as a streamer. Because taking photography, taking photography, taking photos is a big part of that, right? Like you being able to take good photographs of either products or selfies so that you can connect with your audience more like that's extremely important and that's a, a big piece and a big opportunity for a lot of us to step up our game. So I highly recommend checking out this episode. It's very, very great kind of base knowledge for people that are looking to step up that photography game and to appear as a more authentic and professional person within this industry. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the interview, and I will see you guys afterwards. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ashney Christ. I have been on Twitch since 2013. I was full-time for six months, but I never really got to the point where I felt like I had really solid content. So I was like, what's the difference between me and Dr. Disrespect? Why does this guy have 30,000 viewers and I've got one one-thousandth of that? So now I spend all of my time giving all of this information that I have acute, what is it? Accumulated? Accumulate, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that I've accumulated over the past two and a half years um, through my own research. And I share that with people through this podcast and through YouTube videos um, and social media and, and all of that. So my friend here, Dids Live, is a very amazing videographer and photographer. And he's gonna teach thank us you. a little bit more about, you are welcome. He's going to teach us more about stepping up our game as a photographer in the streaming world. So taking better product photos, taking better selfies for social media, how we should use those selfies to kind of further our reach, um, further our brands online and build stronger and better communities. What's up, Dids? How's it going, man? It is going really well. Yeah, I, I hope that 
chat, feel free to always ask questions because I think that this is a topic that kind of gets directed based on what people really need to know. Uh, I will do my best to give as broad of an overview as I can as to what I've done, how I've progressed, how I've learned, because it really was for me just, I, I, I originally bought my first camera to do YouTube vlogs and then, you know, for some reason that kind of didn't work and then I got out of that and then I'm like, well, I'll do Twitch streaming and then that picked up and then I took a break and then it never really, still this day hasn't really gathered up that steam, but now I'm, I've found that taking photos and videos is my, I don't want to say calling. Cause I mean, that still is yet to be determined, but I would definitely, I'm definitely toward making it my calling. And I think it's, it's something that I think it's a really good thing for streamers to really get into because, you know, now with, with new, things here like the cam link and other devices like this you can start to use these same devices like your dslrs your mirrorless cameras your whatever your point shoots even that you can use now to produce better quality streams and i think for me i i just started vlogging again since christmas ish and i got a camera for christmas to do vlogs i noticed how detrimentally different it is now having the a7r mark ii of a quality it is. And even watching Becca, my own content, I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't watch my content if it was with that first camera. And, I, and I'll get into quality and cameras and stuff in a, in a later bit. But, you know, now then versus just how much confidence I've gained by doing that first couple steps and, and how much better the content has come and how I think you guys can use it to help your streaming careers as well. Yay! That's so awesome. I'm really excited to talk to you. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to step up our quality game. Um, I think that's kind of the one of the biggest opportunities, I would say, with Twitch streams. Because YouTube, you see these beautifully produced videos and people put a ton of time and effort into making sure that everything sounds professional, looks professional, and is branded professionally. And the really successful YouTubers are, you know, making multi-millions of dollars and just have this crazy professional setup. But with streamers, it's a little bit different. Like, there are a ton of well-produced streams, but there are definitely a lot of successful streamers that don't have super high-produced, high-quality, high-graphics. A lot of people that I watch sometimes don't even have cams. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there there is a difference between I am very much not a streamer that people come to for grade A gameplay, but I'm very much a streamer that people come to for a grade A person. And I think that within that, I use my creative sense to then create a better composition for my stream because there's a lot of people that I see where their overlays are just cluttered and a lot of times people will focus more on certain things that you know, like their, their followers and their, you know, their recent donations and all you see flood over their screen is donations. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's really not a good thing. Or, I mean, you have this overlay where we're both kind of looking straight in the face, but you know, if, if I stream like this, then you're really not engaging with me as much as if I were to stream like this. So I think that there's a very, a very good disconnect between learning how to take pictures and that, you know, the gestalt rules of composition and rule of thirds and the golden rule that people need to start using in their streams to really just produce better content. When And it's really such a small step that I think people really will be able to benefit from because it's something as simple as uh, there's a lot of people I know that if they have their streams in like, let's just say 69 format and they're facing away from the game. So if, if your cam is on the left side, don't have your camera facing off screen left because then your eyes shift off screen left they don't come 
back into the scene, into the game. And maybe I'm picky because I do take pictures, but for me, the first things that I notice when I go to stream are the composition pieces, are how it looks, not in a judgmental way, but if I see somebody streaming like this versus somebody streaming like this, I'm immediately engaged more with the person that I'm looking at. Exactly. So I that's, that's, I mean, right away, just one thing that I think people could really benefit from from thinking of. And it's such a small, such a small change, but it really goes a long way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think composition is is super huge as far as like webcams go, for sure. Like how, aside from <clears throat> what you just said, what are some other tips that you can give people for setting up their camera to engage their community more and to seem more engaging to come across as somebody who is actually interested in talking to the right. people that come into their channel? I've done both. I, I used to always do green screen footage. And I think that for what I was doing, it was really beneficial because I was lucky enough to have a lighting situation where I could very well chroma key myself out. I didn't have any, you know, any fade, any bleed of the green screen on myself. I mean, there was a little bit of a green reflection because I have white walls in my room, but there's really no interference to the eye as to what was really happening. And I think that it's nice to... You know, there's some cases where you need to be the prominent figure. There's some cases where the game needs to be a prominent figure. So, like, right now, the way I have setups, I just have a blank wall behind me, but I put a box around that wall so that, you know, I'm separated from the composition that is the game. I put myself in the lower corner that, you know, th it's not really distracting anyway. I have my chat. I don't... I used to come up with all these elaborate, over, overproduced pieces of overlay and I think I always got distracted you know watching back at my stream and never really got engaged and obviously it's harder when I used to do like Super Metroid speedruns because that's a four by three game versus a 16 by nine game so you know you have to utilize what you're playing to your advantage so that you're not cluttering like a lot of speedrunners do a really good job of you know they'll have their four by three game and then they'll have their 16 by nine cam in the corner with the chat below it their splits below it and i think that those are composed really well because it's not too cluttered you have your camera your your chat your splits your game and there's really no interference between them i think there's a lot of like call of duty streamers for example that put their cameras over like their ammo counts or their kill streak counts and it's like you know those are things as a streamer or as a viewer that i'd really like to see i want to know if i'm wanting to watch your gameplay how you're doing it how you're interacting with the game so i know how to improve yeah. so i think it's really just a matter of composing your overlays so that you're interfering as little between you the camera person and you on the camera with the game yeah, absolutely. It's really important to make sure that like all the details of your stream are available for people if they have questions, not only because that just looks way better, but also because it makes the experience better for the viewer. So like they're able to <clears throat> either ask less questions so you don't have to right. focus too much on your chat. You can actually focus on the experience of new people that are coming in, but also it just looks good. So and to answer your question, Bexie, I've seen successful um, YouTube. Oh, hang, or, um, YouTube. hang on. For people that for people that are listening on the podcast, we just had a, a question from chat. Oh yes. And he said, "How can I have a cam that's constantly focused on my dog, but also another camera on me, but not distract other human viewers? So how can I successfully have two cameras, one on myself and one on a pet?" I forget the streamer's name. I want to say it was like Duck Sauce, or I, I remember something with Duck, but he played World of Warcraft a lot, and he had a constant, every stream that he did was a camera on him and a camera on his pets. And what he did in that sense was with World of Warcraft, you have typically 
the bottom corners are your chat and your bags or you know really not the most important information or you could cover the map or you could do so basically it's it's a matter of finding the two least interfering places or the two least important places in that game to then cover up obviously you don't want to put it like in the middle of your screen or anything like that and i think corners are a very good place because then it's not incredibly distracting and i think personally i like either bottom or top not kitty corner because i think that sometimes you know then your head starts to do all this stuff and and it kind of gets a little bit distracting but it it's a good idea to basically just find the the two least important pieces of your screen as you're playing your game so like i i do city skylines a lot and i have my camera in the lower left and it's really there's no information there other than like you know the the tabs of residential zones or whatever and then i'll put my chat above the tooltips on the right side so there's it's always visible but it's never really in the way because there's still so much of the city that you're still seeing mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome and this is kind of getting a little bit off topic about what we really wanted to talk about but how do you feel about bit cups whenever it comes to or not necessarily bit cups but those cups that everybody has next to their um, <clears throat> next to their video feed. Do you feel like that kind of clogs it up or is that worth it because of the engagement I've seen factor? it done very well. I've seen it done very poorly. I use Streamlabs and I can't figure out how to scale it down. I know I, I haven't really looked into it, so that's definitely 100% on me. I haven't done the research to change it, but I think there's a lot of people that do it very well. There's a lot of people that do it very poorly. I don't want it over your face. I don't want it huge. You know, I don't want it the same mm -hmm. size as your webcam feed. I think, you know, there's there's ways that you can chroma key it in so that you see your bits coming in i think it's really hard for me because there's a lot of people that'll just put it in like the lower right corner and it's not necessarily scaled to the full screen so the bits will start to come across the dead center of your screen and it's a little distracting from time to time but i think if you you know push it off to the side or keep it down low or keep it somewhere where it's not really distracting as those bits come in because there's a lot of people that will come in and the bits will just start flowing in the middle of the screen. And I'm like, wait, 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 this is not. And then they'll, you know, get cut off because the, the cropping doesn't work quite mm -hmm. right. I mean, that I think is one of the hardest things to really get right because it's, it's just the way that they have those links made, it's hard to really scale them properly for a full-size screen. Yeah. I used to use one. I personally stopped because I think you're still seeing the bits in the chat. You're still able to acknowledge the bits in the chat. You know, you still have your, if you use alerts, you still have those alerts alerting you of those bits. It's nice to see the explosion of all the bits when, when everything explodes, but I don't think that's, it's always a necessary thing. There are some people that are very much just like hype streamers that, you know, tons of, you know, donation to Microsoft Sam voice things are always there and like, yes, it has its place, but for people like me, it definitely doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really a matter of finding what kind of a streamer you are as to working that in with how you want to basically operate your stream and how you want it to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of work needs to go into the kind of pre work that you do before you really yeah. start trying to build a brand online because that's the biggest part about being a streamer right is you're building a brand right. and you're building a community so you really need to sit down and think like what what am i going to be to people if i were to start doing something like this and so thinking about those repercussions definitely kind of puts you ahead of the curve and helps you know what is good for your channel and what's not so let's actually jump into 
our um, full topic, which is... Yeah, the is, actual reason why Yes, the actual reason why we're talking. I know, yeah. I just wanted that as like a sidebar because I'm, I have a very love-hate relationship with those freaking cups, so... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about the photography aspect. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making whenever they are posting either product photos or selfies? I get sent a lot of photos and, and the way I approach things is I'll never, I'll never criticize a photo, but I'll always constructively criticize a photo. And I think that there is a fine line there. Um, I get sent a lot of pictures that are just flat out, out of focus, just completely not in focus. And it's really hard to be like, I'm sorry, but like, this is just out of focus. Like, cause that's such a, it's a very important detail. And I think that the mistake that I see made the most is where so i'm just going to use this example because it's a very stereotypical example g fuel shaker cups you know the the stereotypical thing is to do the whole hold out the shaker cup well sometimes your logo's offset or it's rotated improperly or it's half cut off in the stream or whatever the case may be i think there's so many ways that people can improve it because the biggest mistake that i see being made is that there's no story behind the image if i have this shaker yeah, and i'm holding so it out it doesn't really tell you anything it just is yes this is a product and i think that the age of just taking pictures of a product is long gone. When I was getting into photography, it was very much the thing. It was very much the, I'm going to take pictures of the products and it's a very good place to start. And I'm not discouraging anybody from going there because I think it's a great way to learn how your camera operates, how to sh set your shutter speed, how to set your ISO, how to do all of your camera's functions. But for like your, your next step and how to improve, I think that every image needs to tell a story. And, and I really, especially lately have tried harder and harder to take less pictures but more meaningful pictures that really impact and tell a story because a video has this purpose of telling a story with the beginning middle and an end and if mm -hmm. you can do that within a single frame then you're really doing something right so how do we do that how I think do we, how do we come up with a story and how do we how do we express that in a photo everybody does it a little differently so I started then using G Fuel in how am I using this G Fuel? So then I did, instead of just holding out the shaker cup, which it's nice to have those po those posts of, yes, I'm holding out the shaker cup. Yes, a new flavor got released. Yes, a new shaker got released, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm actually using the color changing shaker right now, but now I'm using it as, okay, I have the shaker popped open beside me and it's a picture of me playing games. Okay, so now I'm playing this video game. Why am I playing this video game? Why am I so great at this video game? Because I'm energized. Why am I energized? Because I have this product that helps me become energized. So you're you're just able to then tell your stories with how am I using this product? What does this product do? Because then you're able to, to tell the viewer, okay, he's playing this game. This is why he's doing so well. This is what's really going on. And this is the story behind it. This is the success that it creates. That's... That's really awesome. It, that definitely helps as far as like product photos go for sure. There are so many companies that are really working. <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh, I was doing so well. <laughs> it's hitting you. Oh no, yeah, it's like the more I talk, the more I, I start to cough. I, I get but... more stuffed up the more I cough, so I know how that feels. Ugh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. So. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of, of companies that really want to work with influencers. We've got like Blue Yeti on deck, Logitech, um, Corsair. God, I could, I'm not, I can't even go through the entire list, but you guys know that there are a lot well, of and companies. It's funny because so. I, I took a picture. I'm a part of the Logitech G team because of a picture that I took and posted to Twitter. They actually got in touch with me and said, hey, we really like this photo. Can we use it? Can we work together? Can we do things together? And I said, yes. So the picture was very... 
it, it kind of goes against it really didn't tell a story but it was one of those instances where it was just a good photo you can still take good photos that aren't stories because i i had created a scene where it was my keyboard and i had the the keyboard in all red and i had their all red headphones and i created kind of this i guess it was still a story of okay the headphones are down it was late at night, so it was a darker image, and it was just this kind of feeling of, okay, the headphones are down, I've done my job today, I've done what I needed to do with the gaming scene, and, and it worked out really well, and now I'm part of the Logitech D team. So, I mean, it, you can create your opportunities by creating these stories and, and creating these compositions of, you know, I, I didn't take the photo with the intention of gaining Logitech as a, as a client and as a group to work with, but... I took the photo as learning how to shoot in, in low light situations. I took the photo as how to compose things. And I like to take photos of whatever I'm already using in my house. So it's just kind of this thing of how can I take what I'm using every day in my life and tell a story with it in a photo. That's incredible. And your your uh, product photos are really, really good. If you guys haven't seen Dids on Instagram, I really suggest like going over there and checking out his photography to see like why he actually deserves to be talking about this subject. You can definitely subject. see a progression. <laughs> if you scroll, you'll definitely see a progression as to how I how I approach my photos. And I think that that's really the fun part about it is knowing where you are and accepting where you are, but still learning because like you can take pictures of shakers all day long. That's not going to get you anywhere. It's okay. Now, how can I improve the story? Now, how can I improve the yeah. composition as you get better equipment? Okay. Can I work with depth of field to maybe create this foreground background situation? You, then you can use Gestalt's applications and I'm not going to go into all of his rules. You can Google those, Ooh. but you know, there is composition, there is rule of thirds, there is different things that you can then, okay, can I move the shaker an inch to the right? And then it creates a different story. You know, there's so many different things that you can do to, to really show more than just here is the shaker i am holding it oh my god <laughs> that was a brain blast for me it's for pretty sure. intense. It's pretty yeah intense. so you obviously have a lot of really awesome equipment like the a7s for instance but a few other cameras as well but what about people that just have their phone like how do we take successful photos on our phone can we even do that yes actually i would argue that phones are better these days than so this was my first camera the canon t3i i actually shot two mlg events with it with only the t3i and the 50 millimeter 1.8 and i think that what i succeeded at doing in those is creating the stories within so like in an esports event has its own you know you have the stories of the players standing up and getting extremely excited and you have all of these stories <laughs> i can't you have all of these stories that that being at the event already creates but you also have all of these stories that you can create by using composition. So the thing that I would suggest with people that only have phones is instead of focusing on really the, the whole aspect of the story, create a good composition. Because I think if you can learn things with your composition that then you can apply when you have the equipment to create the depth of field, to create the better story, then you already have all of these understandings of compositions and how to tell stories already before you really get the equipment to create your depth of fields and to create your, you know, your manual focusing, taking five minutes to set up your shot anyway, it's such a easier transition to then grow as a photographer as you start to get better camera equipment. So you don't have to go into like too much depth about this, but can we, can you tell us a little bit about what these, these uh, gestalt things are? <laughs> these ideas? Um, so, so like <laughs> gestalt is kind of just the, the person that kind of created these things but 
having your rule of thirds is a big thing. So if you take a grid, you basically have two lines down the middle, two lines horizontally that create four points, that create a middle square. If you put your 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 main subject of that image or composition in one of those four corners or in one of those four points that that box creates where those lines intercept, your composition is already dramatically improved. And obviously with you know, four by three layouts for like speed runs or old games or whatever the case may be, you always want to put your main points in one of these points, you know, where these intersecting lines connect, because then you're able to then create a composition where you have, you know, then you would have your foreground image in one third, but then on the other side of things, you can have your background subject. And then it creates this, you know, that you always want your eyes to flow through the image and you always want your eyes to start with your main in focus subject, which preferably is in one of the thirds and then flow to the next piece without being taken off screen. So like there's rules of like intersecting. So if you have a fence that you're taking a picture of, you don't want that fence to cut off like the bottom left corner of your image because then your eyes constantly are like falling toward that corner that's just being awkwardly cut off by this fence. But yet, you know, you could have the most beautiful scene of a horse in the background, of, you know, with a great silhouette of the sunrise or whatever the case may be, but you're always going to look at that fence because it always is going to be there cutting off that bottom corner of the screen. Yeah, rule of thirds is super important. So basically it's just making sure that the main focus, the subject of your photo is appearing in those intersecting lines that you were talking yeah. about. So just put two and lines to, in there. To the... go to what, what Chad is talking about a lot, white balance is huge. And a lot of cameras these yeah. days, you'll be able to take an image and create a white balance based off of that image. So if you already have your composition set up for like a stream example, or if you're using a cam link with uh, a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, you can take a picture of yourself, use that photo to reference itself to create a white balance, which then you can use to just really enhance, I think, the the color temperatures of your stream image and, and everything like that. Because I think that really it's, you know, you have a warm, cooler feel, which creates a certain vibe, or you have more of the orange tint, which creates a more heated vibe. So I think it's really about how you want your image to be perceived as to how you want to color balance these photos to then create the, the emotion behind it. I think really the white balance kind of helps create the emotion behind the story. So what kind of color temperature would you suggest for somebody who's taking photos of products of technology? It really depends on the product. One one tip that I love telling people is like if a lot of products are typically black, keyboards are black, desks are black, computers are, I mean, there's like RGBs and things, but there's typically some black element in these images. I like to eliminate anything else blue because if you take a picture and you pop it into say Lightroom, you can always eliminate the blues and it's crazy to see how different it is when you eliminate the blues from something that's a black subject. So in every image that I take, if I don't need blue, I'll completely eliminate it so that anything that's black, I can just take the saturation of the blue, kill it completely, and then it really looks like a black image. So like, basically that creates itself because any light that gets reflected will bounce on anything. So like if you have your window open and it's a beautiful sunny day, the blue from the sky is gonna come in and reflect around the walls of your room and then reflect on these items. So it's really a, about creating the white balance to, you know, you can create your emotion with this white balance, but it really also depends upon what kind of a mood you're going for for that image. Because obviously typical product shots like an RGB keyboard, it's kind of hard to change your your color temperature because it's either going to be too blue or too yellow, but really it's an RGB keyboard. So you have every color anyway. So it's kind of, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of pick your battle and, and really 
goes back to composition then of how you want to compose your image and how you want it to look in the end so you know how you want to set it up and how you want your colors to look and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. And so how do these concepts kind of transfer into us taking selfies for social media? I think that uh, you can use your composition. So like I have my camera set up to the right of me behind. So I'll be in the, that would be either the left or the right third. I couldn't honestly say how it mirrors right now, but I would be in one of the thirds and then my background would be the other third of my desk setup or my monitors or my stream blurred out in the background. Or if I can't have it all in focus, all in focus, you know, then you can play with those compositions and you can take that setup picture and really white balance, I think, toward your face because, you know, that's going to be the main focus of that image. Or if it's the game, you want to white balance toward the game that's going on because that's going to be the most important part of that image. So everybody, I, I put in, in our show notes, everybody loves a good setup picture. Nobody will complain about yes. somebody posting a picture of their setup. Everybody loves seeing everybody else's setups. And it's fun to then, I like to take pictures of myself in front of my setup or working with my setup, or I'll even like fake, you know, real emotional moments to then take a picture of like, okay, he's really in it. And he's really, you know, he's at his desk, he's in the zone, he's already doing these things. So it's nice to have people see that and then they're more engaged and they want to come see exactly what you're up to. So let's do this for everyone that's watching right now, or if you're listening to this later on in the podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, <clears throat> send me and Dids, tag us on Twitter, send us a photo yeah. of your setup and we can share those yeah. and see like what you guys have going on. And if you've learned anything from this podcast, maybe you can try the principles that you've learned. So rule of thirds, checking the color temperature, the white balance and all of that. And we'll see what you guys can come up with. And maybe we'll do like a, a little Amazon gift card for the best one. We'll see. Yeah, we can work on that somehow. Yeah, we'll do something like that. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit more about your actual streaming setup. Um, whenever it comes to using DSLRs as your camera for streaming, um, this is something that a lot of people have very strong opinions about because sometimes it can cause your camera to overheat and then you're out you know a few thousand dollars depending on the quality of camera that you're using um, you can just get like a really great logitech webcam and that does a great job but i'm curious to hear your opinion as someone who is just super involved in the photography and videography space which one do you feel like is a stronger choice as far as production and which one um, should we use if we just want like a, a basic solid setup that's never going to uh, let us down? I think webcams <laughs> have a very, they're built to kind of have no differentiation between the foreground and the background. So webcams really like to have everything in focus. They're really typically a wider angle lens so that that can be achieved. I think it's really cool when you have, like in your case, you have things behind you that when blurred out can create this foreground background enlightenment that I think makes things very pleasing to look at. In cases like mine where it's just a white wall, you don't necessarily need that, but yet at the same time, you can really, I think, get a sharper image with a DSLR if you have it. I've never experienced any overheating with my cameras. I just shot for an hour and a half straight on my a7r2 last night and those cameras are very prone to overheating and it never got close to overheating so i don't really think that it's it's more the overheating and i've never heard of anybody really 
destroying their camera completely in doing so. But the one thing that I will say is you do need to have it plugged into an external source because it will turn off in 15 minutes if you don't. <laughs> I've had so many streams where I had to, I used to have my DSLR, my T3i actually plugged in and that would auto shut off the recording every 15 minutes. So once every 15 minutes, I had to get out of my chair, reach around back and hit the button again or a button again to kind of reset that 15 minute buffer zone. And I'm sure there's probably settings in there that I didn't have at the time that, or I didn't know about at the time that could work out better for those situations and keep it on for a while. But it's every camera has a external source that you can just plug into your wall outlet. They're typically seven to $10 on Amazon for whatever adapter. My A7R Mark II is just a micro USB cable. My T3i is just a battery kind of converter that just plugs into the wall outlet. And I, I've never had any troubles with those and it, it really helps. Now, one thing I will mention is it's beneficial to have a camera that does have autofocus during movie mode. My T3i does not. So my first vlogs, I recorded everything and then I realized that as I did this, everything was out of focus because it didn't follow my face. The A7R II does have that. So you wanna make sure that you have a camera that'll do some facial tracking during video modes because then as you move and as you get excited and as you do different things, it'll track you through those emotions. So is that a feature that's only available on like the newer DSLRs or mirrorless cameras? It varies. A lot more of them are getting this mode. Obviously when I bought my camera, my T3i isn't no longer made. Um, any camera that you could buy at the same price point that I purchased that at probably will have it. Um, my 6D does not have it, but my 7R2 mm -hmm. does. I know a lot of like the, the Sony A, 6000 series, 6300, 6500 are great choices. And a lot of people are turning to those to do these sort of situations because they're really small, compact form factors. You can get a really cheap lens, like a 16 to 40 millimeter lens that is really cheap, has a zoom range. So you can kind of play with these things and it, it has your face tracking. You can adjust your exposure. There's so many different more manual settings that you can change other than just with webcams, your settings are typically brightness, contrast, saturation, which are really more post-production things. So it begins to start washing out your image and then you have faded look or you're too saturated or whatever the case may be. Totally. And you can't do depth of field tricks really with webcams either. So right. that cool like bokeh effect that a lot of people are really loving right now it, where it you blur out the so background. You can, is you can have your bed in the background <laughs> and blur it out and nobody will really know that you yes. haven't made the bed So today. you I never mean, have so to clean benefits. your room. There are so many benefits. Yes. You, know, you, can, you can have all these things in the background that normally you'd be really embarrassed about, but it doesn't matter because it's blurred out anyway. So <laughs> They can't tell what it is. It yeah, could just absolutely. be piles of money. They have absolutely. no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes things really interesting. And, yeah. and with how accessible it is now with like things like the cam link or even just, you know, I have the cam link and I have the HD 60 pro as the internal graphics card. So mm -hmm. I can really with any HDMI source now plug in my camera and have that accessible on my camera. So it's, it's really easy to then use these things to create your compositions. And then you can have these depth of fields, which maybe then you incorporate that into your stream. So you can place your camera somewhere else if there's, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of games now are kind of creating this force depth of field. Like if you zoom into a scope and a shooter, like they blur out everything else or whatever the case may be, you know, you can utilize these things. Definitely. So it sounds like you for sure will recommend like DSLRs to people to, to stream with. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the, there's people in the chat saying they're using the C920. That's actually what I'm using right now. Um, Same. Just as, as, <laughs> you know, that's just, it's, it's the perfect go-to if you're on a budget, 
you don't need anything fancy. It'll still get the job done. As you can see, the quality of, of both of our faces is definitely sufficient for what you're going for. As you progress yourself as a streamer and as you want to take this more seriously, you know, I got to the point where I didn't feel the need to get it serious because I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to keep my schedule. I wasn't able, you know, I was starting to take more photography seriously than, than I would a stream. But I then love going back to streaming and saying, oh my gosh, I have all of this great new equipment that I haven't streamed with yet. And I can plug in my 7R2 and I can do all these different things. And, you know, you can even get a situation where you can have a camera if it's a game that you're not really engaged with in, verb in as much verbal conversation, that you can maybe have it to the side and then you have your setup with it and you can blur out, you know, use some bokeh effects to then blur out your setup and keep you in focus. You know, you can then place mm -hmm. your camera in different places to create different situations that, you know, it, and the, with storytelling with images before, I think it's cool to tell a story with your webcam and with your stream that nobody's heard yet. Because streaming a lot right now is very straightforward. Put up your face, put up your overlay, put a box around yourself, hit the live button, and you play your game. Now, I think, is the time where people can use these things with creative differences to then create this story of, okay, my webcam's to the side, and then you can be known as that guy that has his webcam 90 degrees to his right, or whatever the case may be. I think it's cool now that we have these abilities and these tools accessible to us that we can then start the next generation of different things and different creative choices. Yeah, and that's that's a big opportunity for a lot of streamers, like right there. You said <clears throat> that for most streams it's very straightforward we put a camera on our face we put a game 16 by 9 that's filling the video and then we just go for it and go for it for four to six to eight to 12 24 hours for the people yeah. that are a little bit crazy right but, <clears throat> but yeah there's definitely a lot of opportunity there to kind of increase the creativity and maybe try something a little bit different that's going to make you stand out although like we said earlier you don't want to lose that engagement factor like that is so that's yeah, so it, important. it has to speak to you. I mean, for me, it, like I said earlier, it's a lot more personality than it's gameplay. So I can very easily do these different quirky things and nobody's really going to shake an eye. Um, a lot of people are, are talking about lens focal lengths. I think 24 millimeters is a great focal length. I would suggest anything 24 or less. Obviously, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily want a fisheye lens, but you can, like, my vlogging lens is a 16 millimeter. And I think it's the perfect, I can put it, you know, an arm's length away and it gets my face in a very good composition as if I was using my webcam anyway. So I think that really anything 24 millimeters or lower is going to be really where you want to be. 50 millimeters is great if you're using it farther away or like I have room behind my desk so you can then create this bokeh effect of maybe you have the monitor in front of me a little bit that's blurred out. You know, you can create compositions as you have the space behind your desk. But if you're just putting it up above your desk, really 24 millimeters or less is where you're going to want to sit. So real quick for people that don't know, what is what are you referring to whenever you're talking about millimeters? So focal length is basically the zoom of the camera. So there's really specific kind of key points of lenses. So like 24 to 70 is one really good overall versatile lens that people can buy. And 70 to 200 is really good telephoto or zoom lenses that people can get to really zoom in. But anything really 24 or less is considered a wide angle lens. So that'll achieve really the smaller your number, the more space you you have in your frame and the more, you know, the more frame you have to work with essentially. So you don't, you don't have to step back. Cause I, I always tell people the first lens that they should buy besides their kit lens with photography is a prime 
because then and a prime lens is basically a, a lens that can't zoom it can only focus so it is a fixed mm -hmm. focal length so then people are forced to then either move their composition or move themselves so that as they're out taking portrait shoots, for example, they either move toward the subject or they have the subject move toward them. And I think it's a really good way to then learn these these compositions because with certain focal lengths, you'll have different. So you can have the same. There's a there's a lot of movies that'll do effects where the like they'll have a face that's really the same size throughout the zoom, but they'll move the camera toward the subject as they zoom out. And it basically keeps the face the same size, but you start to see so much more of the space behind them because mm -hmm. they're creating this extra focal length and creating this extra space behind them that you can utilize. So like with a 35 millimeter lens that I have, I can get really close to the subject and everything else will be blurred out, but it'll be a lot more of that background. But an 85 millimeter lens is a lot more closer and a lot more intimate. So you as a photographer would have to stand a lot farther back and there would also be a lot less of the background in that frame. So it's really a lot about messing with focal lengths and seeing how you want that composition to look in with rule of thirds, how you can use what is behind the subject to then create a good story. Perfect. That's such a great way to summarize it and to just... But for, for those that have the, the kit 18 to 55 millimeter lens, typically those will be on an APS-C sensor. So an APS-C sensor is a 1.6 crop to a full frame. Most cheaper cameras will be APS-C format. So that 18 millimeters is really about 24 or so. But yeah, I would say if you're using that kit with 18 to 55, keep it at 18. You'll get, I think, the best bang for your buck with that. And typically with wider lenses, it's a lot easier to keep things in focus because there's a lot more that's trying to gather information from. So a lot more of, of it will be in focus. So I think it's a lot easier to just mm -hmm. keep your focal lengths low and you'll have the best results with that, I feel. Perfect. So to summarize all that, basically, yes, the C920 that most of us are probably using right now is fine. If we want to step up to like a Brio to get 4K, which we'll get into that abyss later, that can go yeah. real deep. Um, that's great. If you want to do the C922X, I think is one that they just came out with as well, or if that's relatively new. I but... think it came with like a <laughs> Pro 4K now as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of different options for webcams too, but if you are really looking to like step up your game quality wise, streaming with the DSLR is a great idea. So what would you recommend as far as the actual equipment if somebody is looking to use a DSLR for streaming um, and really get all of these these different features um, and have more customization? What's a good camera for them to start out with? Really whatever you can buy. I always say the best camera is the camera that you have. So if yeah. you already have a, a cheaper, you know, I'm a Canon slash Sony guy. I'm not really into the whole Nikon thing, but really whatever whatever camera you can get your hands on will more than likely be better than the C920 that you're using now. And it really is just, it is a little bit more of an investment, but a lot of times if you have a capture card, even if it's not the Camlink, even if it's not the HD60 Pro, if you just have the Elgato HD Slim, you can still plug your HDMI feed out of your camera into that device and then access that information through your stream capturing softwares. So it's it's really simple to just you have your camera it 90 percent of the time those cheaper ones will come with the kit 18 to 55 lens and you can basically just buy the cam link or buy the hdmi cable some cameras have different size hdmi ports so you might need a 10 dollars adapter on amazon but it's really not too difficult and in most cheaper cameras have the the, the larger the, the larger smaller hdmi feed that converts very easily to your cam link or whatever device you'll be using. 
Yeah, and you keep mentioning CamLink. So for those who don't know, can you kind of elaborate on um, that? The, the CamLink is a device, I don't believe I have it on my desk right now. It's a device created by Elgato that is basically designed to be using DSLRs as webcams. So it's, it's basically a USB software device that you can plug your HDMI feed from your camera in and then plug it in via USB. And it works the same as plugging your PS4 into your capture software. It's just another way that you can get that video feed to your stream through this process of just a simple USB software device. Perfect. So definitely recommend, obviously, if you're going to use the DSLR that you pick up one of those cam links. And honestly, having a good relationship with Elgato as a creator is probably a good idea at it this does. point. It does. It does. <laughs> I know from experience it helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They are they're putting out some really great stuff for us. So uh, USB 2.0 or 3.0 doesn't really matter. I've used both. They both work fine. Mm -hmm. um, there are cheaper alternatives, as the chat is mentioning. But I, I think I'm using just the term cam link because it's very easy to use people kind of understand where we're going with that so there are other options available if you don't have the budget but for this intents and purpose i'm just using camlink because that's the example that i have perfect so let's uh let's jump into the 4k yeah let's jump right into the let's 4K. just jump right into it so 4K is kind of your uh, your upgrade from 1080p, so this is something that is starting to be rolled out in all technology, whether that is like DSLRs, um, all the crazy TVs that were at CES that were like 6K, like ridiculous, I don't even know, yeah, 8K, like crazy, crazy, it's getting, it's getting nuts, but... <clears throat> So yeah, it's starting to be implemented in a lot of technology and as well, we're starting to see like people that actually have 4K monitors. So let's talk yes. about, <clears throat> do you feel like now is a great time for people to upgrade so that they can actually watch 4K stuff? And <clears throat> let's also talk about if, since 4K hasn't been completely rolled out yet and not everyone has 4K capable televisions or monitors, is it worth it right now to shoot or stream with 4K? Um, I feel that it is it is starting to become the thing. I think a year ago when it first started to be rolled out, I very much am not into it. Just like I'm not really about the the whole VR catch. I'm, I don't know. I just I don't really catch on to those sort of things. I use two 1080p monitors. I actually just bought them. They're great picture quality. I'm okay using 1080. Obviously the advantage of, of recording in 4K is you have the ability to use more of that frame if you need to scale it around. So if you have a 4K frame and you're recording in 4K and you need to crop out, so like if there's something to your left or something to your right that you really just don't want in your frame or don't want with your webcam, you can then use that crop tool and and really crop in your frame to what you want it to look like and you're not really losing any quality because really for for twitch streams i don't think streaming in 4k is really going to be a thing for probably quite some time because i just don't think that computer hardware is up to the task quite yet mm -hmm. i think that there's a lot more encoding that needs to go on there's a lot more you know unless you want to get titan x's and and things like that i just don't think that's really worth your time a lot of people still stream in 720p at 60 frames a second i think that that's totally fine i think for most people right now twitch is mostly viewed on phones and, and on mobile devices mm -hmm. which you don't need 4k for that you don't need even sometimes 1080p for that a lot of phones these days are 1080p so i think 1080p is kind of where you should be looking for as a streamer right now 
but I like having 4K now that I do have it to utilize the extra crop and still maintain that sharp image. I think that 10, you know, the C920s that we're using are 1080p. They still create a very beautiful image. And since we're using webcams that don't typically cover the whole screen anyway, you're really not losing any quality to then shrink your face down. Even if you use a 720p webcam, you're not really losing any quality by still encoding and exporting at 720 at 60 frames or 1080 at 30 frames because you're still, you know, and, and I see a lot of people in chat, they're saying that bitrate is, is more important because then you have more information of that 1080p screen being encoded and sent to Twitch to then create a more enhanced image anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Which one would you choose if you're going with a 720 <clears throat> 720 to 60 FPS, or are you going to do 1080 at 30? What are going to be the differences between those? So your your frame rate, I don't think is that distinguishable. They say that I can only see up to like 120 frames a second or so anyway. Mm -hmm. So I see all these people with like 144 hertz screens and all this nonsense. I don't really buy into that. I, I am not a professional gamer, so I don't really need the, you know, 144 hertz, one millisecond response time. Um, but I think that you know, you're you're basically encoding 60 frames every second versus 30 frames every second. So I like to stream at 1080 30 because I don't feel that there's enough information in doubling my frame count that needs to be shared with Twitch. And I know that Twitch handles it. I know that YouTube handles it, but I just feel like 30 frames is still giving all the information without looking choppy. And I feel then with those extra 30 frames that I'm getting every second, I can use that information and that computer hardware space to then create a 1080 image, which now people have iPhone 10s that are 1080 or, you know, every TV is at least at this point typically going to be 1080 anyway. So any TV viewers that are watching in 1080 can have that full experience or even 4K. I've, I've used in previous vlogs my iPhone to record some, some clips of my vlogs and the 1080 scales up to 4K very nicely as opposed to 720 to 1080. I found more success scaling 1080 to 4K than 720 to 1080. So I say if you can do 1080, do it. I just feel like it gives you the best, you're at the best point, really. Yeah. What types of streams would you, would you suggest would be good for 60 FPS? <clears throat> Shooters, typically. Mm -hmm. um, anything with a lot of movement. Because with 30 frames, if you're moving around a lot, it has to register all of that movement in less time essentially so it's going to have motion blur and you're going to have aliasing and, and artifacting and things like that so really movement based games and shooters are are more 60 frame games but if you're playing roller coaster tycoon there's no reason you need to be streaming in 60 <laughs> frames a second there's just not enough movement that needs to be really shared with that information absolutely and then what's uh what's aliasing um so ASC and artifacting is basically if if your games and your your cameras can't really gather all the information you'll have so like if if you have satellite signal and right before it cuts out with the rain that would be the artifacting that that goes on so it's really just it creates these blocks that it tries to gather all of this information and doesn't really know what to do with it so it kind of puts everything in one little block and it doesn't always look the best yeah it gets a little ugly it gets yeah. a little ugly PUBG at one FPS mill. I feel I feel that. There was a big problem whenever people <clears throat> first started trying to stream PUBG where they just couldn't handle it. Their computers were just I heard it was pretty taxing at first, yeah. Yeah. It was awful. I guess they've released like updates since then that has helped a lot, but man. 
That's just terrible. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else were we going to talk about? Where'd my questions go? Um, yeah, with the you can fix the peel and tear saying that with with artifacting it can be fixed with higher bit rates. So with a higher bit rate, you're able to send more information to Twitch's encoders, and they are then able to then gather that information, and then you reduce that artifacting because there isn't there aren't these periods of dropped information. You have more information to send to Twitch, so as they re-encode it and send it out to their servers to to viewers. It, there's less yeah. of a gap between these mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> let's talk about photography and social media. So how can we take awesome photos that are going to translate well into something like Twitter, for instance, which is completely different from Instagram? How can we take really good photos to do like stream announcements or to engage our community um, and what does a what kind of things does a photo need to have if it's going to be successful on Twitter? So I like to differentiate my Twitter feed and my Instagram feed in the sense that I like to use my Instagram feed for very set shots or very you know if I go out and do a shoot then I want those really on my Instagram feed or if it's so I'm a photographer and this well more photographer than a streamer now but I do have that hybrid sense so I still like to throw in images of so that I would take a picture of my keyboard if I got a new keyboard or my monitors if I got a new monitor or my setup if I'm about to go live and I think that you can then create these stories and then use these images on Twitter as well to then create a community because I think it's about the, the viewer wants to know who you are and get to know you because it's you know streaming is really about creating friendships and, and I feel a lot more enjoyment when I'm talking to friends and having fun with friends as opposed to I'm just playing this game to get all of these viewers that, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, and I, I haven't been at that high of your account to know, but it's a lot more fun when you have a chat that you can see scroll as opposed to a chat where you see two words of a message and then it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I like to, you know, you can create these stories with these images to, I, I am very much a storyteller. I think that yeah, that that really tells everything because the the viewer wants to know who you are and what you're about. And I mean, for a lot of people that are just being me for the first time today, they're learning a lot about me just because of these stories that I like. So you know, you you really do have this space where you can create a sense of community with these people. And if they know who you are and you take these really cool pictures of who you are, you might not want to admit it, but you're more inclined to click on a photo that's in focus, that's a really good quality, that has really cool bokeh, that has all these things than you are an out of focus image. It's just how your, nat your brain naturally gravitates towards those things that you find appealing. So it's really easy for you to create this sense of community by creating these good mm -hmm. photos that tell these stories and, and tell the viewer what you're about. You know, you want to be able to sell yourself before the viewer comes into the stream so they already feel like they're at home when they get in there. That's gr that's a great perspective. And that that has a lot of, of wisdom and value in it, I think, because a big part about being a streamer and growing a community is your ability to put context and story into the the stream into the community that you're trying to build, which is incredibly, incredibly difficult when you are streaming. It, it really is because, you know, you're in the game, you know, you're talking game, you're not about as much you as a person or, you know, I'm every, like I say, everybody streams differently. So it varies person by person. But for my personal experience, it's a lot easier for me to stream when I am myself than when I play a game because I think it's going to do well. I think that it creates a lot better of a community and I see a lot better interaction when I'm streaming for myself than when I'm streaming because 
you know, there's somebody with 1,000 viewers and the next person is 20 and they might stop and host me or whatever the case may be. I just find more success with people staying if I stream more for myself. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a big part about it is it's just, it's about growing friendships and being yourself and, you know, doing the things in your stream that you genuinely enjoy. Like whenever I was streaming video games all the time i was kind of miserable like i love i, I, I love too. games i burned myself out so bad so i easily. know to be honest i'm just i feel like i'm more at home as more of an edutainer right so yes. creating yes. this more like tutorial based educational content makes me feel happier it makes me feel like what i'm doing is so much more impactful than me just like playing i don't know playing any game any game that I played back in the day was fun. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I I love that yeah. that ability to play with friends and to connect with people. Right. I right. I still believe that that's that. Whenever I do come back to Twitch um, a little bit more seriously, like that's still going to be a big part of my channel. Is you know having community nights and hanging out with people. But still, it's about like finding your the things that you enjoy and your value. And bringing that back to the point of of kind of what we're talking about today is. You know, then so like if I record a video that is kind of an educational thing where it is a, you know, I like, for example, I made a video on, you know, free ways to donate to your favorite streamers. And, you know, I went mm -hmm. through like bits and Gawkbox and, and things like that. You know, I, I set up my camera and I, as I'm framing these images, I'm looking at the composition of my desk because a lot of it was done on my desk. And I realized maybe I'm not it even can go as far as, you know, how you're posture is when you sit down or how your keyboard is set up you know you can use these things to create these compositions for your videos or for your photos that then you can utilize to then create a better composition maybe you find a better lighting setup that you can find a better way to light your face for the streams or a different way to hang the posters behind you that looks more appealing from a webcam standpoint that you can then create this better sense of who you are within these photos and videos that then creates your community and, and really engages your stream viewers Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely about, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the amount of work that some people have put into their channels to really make them meticulously thought out. And so yes. being able to do that, I think is definitely going to make you stand out whenever you have an answer for when people are like, so what are those posters behind you? Or why do mm -hmm. I only see this part of your, your head or right. whenever, <laughs> whenever you have a logical reason to explain your choices to somebody, they're going to respect you a lot more because they know that you actually put thought and effort and work into creating your channel. And, and I see a lot of people that'll create like gifts of themselves doing goofy little things that are true to themselves, but then they post that as like a short little video and they have like, you know, depth of field with their setups or depth of field with what's behind them. And, and, you know, they use like little videos even. It doesn't always have to be a photo. It can be a little gift that you can create with yourself with a DSLR that you have with your setup behind you that's different from the way it's, you're streaming or the same as the way you're streaming. It's really however you want to take your creative judgment. And really the, the fun part about it is that nobody's really necessarily wrong because everybody finds other things enticing in photos and videos and there's really no wrong way to do it there are obviously good practices and things like that that need to be worked on but the thing about art is that it's never the same tomorrow as it was today yes. so what works today might not work tomorrow and maybe you can do these different things to you know even just it, it's okay to fail a little bit and, and maybe you don't necessarily like the way that you have your stream set up or you know your viewers don't like the way you have it set up so then you can move it tomorrow and it's totally different and maybe it creates a whole new sense of community and a whole new sense of of storytelling and 
you know, bringing everybody in in a whole new way. Totally. It's definitely finding that that marriage and that balance between production and personality and how you yeah. can show more of yourself and your context and your story and bring more of your life into your channel with your production, with using good photography and all these skills that we've been talking about um, and as well your personality. So just being who you are. <clears throat> so I think that's a good place to stop. Um, I definitely learned a lot. I hope that you guys really enjoyed um if you want to follow dids live dids where do they go at dids live you see it below my face right now that's where you can find me everywhere if you're going to youtube it's dids live one because channels and youtube and 1000 subscriber limits and things like that but we're working toward that goal and working toward that name change but really if you search dids live anywhere you'll find me so Yay, and you guys can find me at Ashley Christ everywhere as well. I will see you guys next time. We'll do another uh, interview soon. I think we have one on Wednesday. Um, but just keep tuned in to Twitter, and I will see you guys next time. And anybody that has any questions, I'm always <laughs> open to answer, so my DMs are never closed. You're always welcome to ask questions, and if you have any advice that you want to get or you have something that you worked out that really worked out, feel free to send it to me. I'd love to see what you guys are doing that works for you. And... You yes, know. and don't forget to send us the pictures of your setups. Set up pictures, okay, absolutely. set up pictures. Clean please. it up, dust it off, and get some pictures towards us. Yeah, at Ashney Christ and at Dids Live. I almost said at Ashney. That is that is not correct. <laughs> <clears throat> so see you guys next time. Bye. Take care, everybody. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It definitely helps me out a lot. I'm really excited to start using this beautiful masterpiece of a camera. And as we mentioned, by the way, take a cool setup, cool setup, a cool photo of your setup and just tweet it at Ashney Christ and at Dids Live and we'll give like a $10 Amazon gift card to the person with the best photo. See if you can actually tell a story in that photo. I want to see not only where you guys do your work, but also what you learned from this podcast episode. So yeah, the best one is going to get a, get a little, get a little something, something. We'll do like a $10 Amazon gift card. And come out and join us on Patreon and join us in this community of creators that is just linked arms and joined forces and we're looking to just take over the world with our streams. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to getting to know some of you all a little bit better over there and to really help you build a community that you love and that loves you as well. And that's all I have for you this week, guys. Um, if you want to talk to me on any platform, I'm at Ashney Christ everywhere, and I will see you guys next week. Bye. Oh, I almost forgot. Sign us out, Jesse Quill. Thanks for listening to the Stream Coach Podcast. See you next week.